The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. Big 12 action has arrived for the Kansas State Wildcats as Bill Snyder's team ventures into the mountains of West Virginia to face the 12th ranked Mountaineers. This is the PowerCat pregame podcast. It's time for Kansas State football. So get ready for a Wildcat football preview like no other. It's the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. And it starts right now. And now let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Kansas State is 2-1 on the season, but even after a comfortable 41-17 victory last Saturday on a boiling hot day at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, there still remains plenty of doubts about this K-State team as it opens Big 12 play this Saturday at West Virginia. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and if there's one word that describes Coach Bill Snyder's 27th Kansas State team, it might be uncertainty. Everyone remains a bit uncertain about the potency of the offense, the skill of the defense, and the overall quality of this K-State team. Well, this Saturday in Morgantown, we will find out a lot more about these Wildcats. And that's Will, as in West Virginia quarterback Will Greer, one of college football's most exciting players and exactly the type of throwing quarterback who has troubled the Wildcats over recent seasons. Greer can throw the ball all over the field and has receivers that should pester K-State's unproven secondary. West Virginia enters the game ranked 12th in the country and has beaten its two opponents this season, Tennessee and Youngstown, by an average of 30 points. Last week's scheduled game with North Carolina State, however, was washed out due to the hurricane on the East Coast. That means the Mountaineers got an unexpected off week to rest and prepare for the Wildcats, which may give them a big advantage because the Cats are already showing wear and tear after three games. Tight end Nick Lenners is gone for the season, and more importantly in this game, so is strong safety Denzel Goolsby, while middle linebacker Elijah Sullivan is expected to play with an injured knee and an injured shoulder. Some of K-State's depth in a secondary that will be severely tested in this game is also unavailable this week. It's a troubling recipe for the Wildcats, but one should never count out Bill Snyder's teams. Remember last year when the Cats went to Oklahoma State late in the year to play the 10th-ranked Cowboys without star cornerback D.J. Reed and left Stillwater with a victory. In fact, quarterback Skylar Thompson was at the helm of that road victory, and he also rallied the team to a win at Texas Tech and finished off Kansas and Lawrence. In other words, Thompson is perfectly at home on the road, which is a character trait the Wildcats will need to capitalize on if they intend to win at West Virginia. Yes, Big 12 play is here, and the college football world and K-State fans scattered across its landscape are about to find out a whole lot more about these Wildcats. With that, let's take our first break and hear from our friends at Robbins Motor Company, our new sponsor of GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast. You're listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast. Stay locked in. Your weekly GoPowerCat.com roundtable session featuring former K-State football star Marcus Watts is next. 
Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat offers a wide selection of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at competitive prices in the Manhattan, Topeka, Emporia, and Junction City, Kansas areas. Be sure to check out Robbins' new vehicle inventory where you will find the most popular models from iconic brands such as Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Or if you're looking to save by purchasing a pre-owned vehicle, Robbins has an updated stock of used cars in excellent condition. No matter what you are looking for, the team at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will help you get behind the wheel of your dream car. And K-State fans, visit the Robbins location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. The GoPowerCat news team is assembling because it's time for the GoPowerCat.com roundtable session. Kansas State is coming off a 41-17 victory over Texas San Antonio, and now the Wildcats are diving right into Big 12 play Saturday by playing at number 12, West Virginia. And we preview the Wildcats' Big 12 opener with GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And now we welcome into the show GPC assistant editor D. Scott Fritchen, football analyst Marcus Watson, staff writer Riley Gates as we sit down for our weekly Go Paracat Roundtable Session. The roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend $4,000 or more on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina because Blue Mark Energy is K-State-owned and K-State proud. Boys, welcome to the show. We, we begin uh, to look at Saturday's game in Morgantown between the Wildcats and Mountaineers. But the first half of the roundtable, let's go back and talk about K-State's win over a UTSA team that is now 0-3, but they've had a daunting schedule with Arizona State, Baylor, and Kansas State. Um, I guess they're paying the bills right now. But they are also, D. Scott, in a rebuilding mode in, in San Antonio under Frank Wilson. Uh, I thought after watching them play a little bit in the first two weeks, I thought they did play better in week three. I think he is making progress with them. But still, I'm curious at your thoughts about how well K-State played against a team that it should have dominated and in some ways did, but for me not quite as much as I'd like to see them do. Your thoughts? I think what they needed to do was was come out in a flurry, and I thought they did that yeah. on that first opening drive. It was important, a confidence builder for them. And to be able to show um, that they can get momentum and continue on with that momentum, I think the scoring on six of the first seven drives was important. And the, the big thing for me, Fitz, was the fact that they were able to get into the end zone, especially in that first half. It was, it was important for K-State to be able to show with its first team, especially offense, defense on the field, that they were able to carry it out. And they did that. Marcus, uh, we've decided they listened to this show because we wanted them to start 
with a little more tempo on offense and come out and let Skylar Thompson throw the ball. Lo and behold, they did that. Uh, if anyone's listening this week, we want you to quack like a duck at the postgame show. <laughs> <laughs> I think, think, think we'll have uh, someone quack like a duck in the post-game interviews. But that was encouraging. They came out and looked like they had purpose on offense. Honestly, something they haven't done the first two weeks. Yeah, and they got Skyler going right away. They gave him some easy throws, some quick outs, some hitches, you know, stuff that stuff that are easy throws for a quarterback, build up the confidence. Um, they were able to move the ball down the field uh, and able to get in the end zone, and that was important to get off to a quick start. Riley Skyler was in. A groove. I mean, they didn't throw it a whole lot with him. Uh, Casey just doesn't run a ton of plays like most programs, but he only had five incompletions, and he was throwing the ball on the money all afternoon. Well, and it started right out of the gate. You know, it, he was he connected with Zach Reuter on a deep pass on the first drive. Um, he he hit Sebastian Taylor on the first drive, I believe, the first play. Um, so you know, it, it that was just really promising to see, and I think. You know, he kind of downplayed it some. Bill Snyder kind of downplayed it some. But I think they both um, really have trouble maybe making it a secret that he felt a lot more comfortable. He felt a lot more in his element. And I guess just relaxed after he was named the starter, you know. I think that there's a lot to be said about just knowing that, you know, you're the guy going into the week. You can kind of take the team uh, as yours and really kind of assert yourself as, hey, I'm the guy, I'm running this offense. And, you know, I think this is something that, um, you know, you can argue that maybe they should have done this earlier. Maybe they should have done it, um, you know, at some point in the summer or entering fall camp, something like that. And, you know, you certainly have an argument both ways. But uh, I don't think there's any arguing the fact that Skylar Thompson, when he knew that he was the guy and knew he had a longer leash, he played a lot more relaxed and he played a lot more like himself. D. Scott, you had a big feature on Skylar Thompson on the website midweek. Um, and we will actually have more on Skylar pregame on Saturday over at GoPowerCat.com. So hop on over and check that out. But uh, this is a kid that tried to hide his frustration, particularly in that first week uh, when he was on such a short leash and, you know, really never settled in until the end of the game against South Dakota. They let him settle in. It's his job now. Just go play. You can make a mistake. Um, and maybe Alex comes in at some point, but it's still your job. Just go play and, and have fun with it. And it looked like it made a world of difference in his mental approach. It did. He, uh, I, I thought he was more aggressive. I thought he was more attacking. He wasn't afraid to make maybe the small mistakes, whereas he was afraid before. And I go back to what Dalton Reisner said because I thought it was really great and explained a lot, was that um, you want that in a quarterback. You want that confidence and that comfort in a quarterback and the quarterback that's not looking over his shoulder all the time. And as Dalton Dalton told me, and, and I think it makes sense, look at Baker Mayfield. Did he make a perfect play every time? No. But they stuck with him, and he was able to ride through the storm. Allow Skylar Thompson to make those mistakes and learn from him and ride through the storm without rotating in another quarterback. Allow him to get in his element, in his groove, and be able to establish himself throughout the game. I would probably stuck with Baker Mayfield, too. But I'm the coach. <laughs> I don't know. I think he can play. Look, Alex Dalton struggled. He's now had a turnover in all three games. But, Marcus, I, I thought that throw he had to Isaiah Zuber was exactly the type of throws they need to let Alex have. Uh, come in, you know, be the run threat. Uh, but use that to your advantage so that, you know, people are peeking into the backfield. He did a pump fake, and it was just, I'm not saying a simple throw, but there was no read involved. You know, either throw it to the open receiver, throw it away, or tuck and run. 
And I keep that simple and let him make quicker decisions like that without having to read you know those throws down the middle. Yeah, it was a nice throw, and Isaiah Zuber did a did a nice job of getting open. It was a double move, and if you look at that play from the beginning, Isaiah wasn't even paying attention. He was looking over the sideline, still trying to get the call, and they snapped the ball, and then he went. So Alex made a great throw, great read. It really wasn't that tough of a read. It, you know, it probably double moves on both sides. So if it's not open, you throw it away. Um, those are the types of throws that we've seen that Alex can make. The ones where he has to read the defense and you know fit it into a tight window is where he struggles. Let's stick with this. Skyler's the starting quarterback, Riley. We know that now. But if you were the coach, that would help us. Uh, would you design stuff for Alex to come in for a series or two if needed? You know, let's say um, the pass game's really working. It loosens up the run game, and you've got a, a sequence of plays for Alex Delton. Uh, and, you know, let's give Skyler this possession off, or you just turn Skyler loose and say, keep doing it. Oh, I'd absolutely have it designed for it. You know, I'd have it in my back pocket ready to use, but that wouldn't mean that I'm going to go out of my way to make it uh, a part of the offense that I necessarily use unless I need it. Because um, I'm just, I'm a big proponent of the, you know, if you have your guy, you stick with your guy. And if it's working, you ride it. And maybe if you need a spark, you know, maybe if maybe if the running game needs something, then, yeah, you bring in Alex. But I don't think that you necessarily need to just because you have the package. You know, I think there's a lot of packages that K-State has that they don't necessarily use. They don't uh, put on tape, and we never really get to see it. And I think that some of those are for the best. Um, and that's the kind of situation I think it is here. I think that Alex brings a lot to the field. And I, I really like some of the things that he can do. I think he is the best runner on the team. I think obviously we saw him in a situation where they kind of weren't necessarily expecting him to throw the ball. He was able to throw it. Um, but he was only in the game because, you know, K-State had built such a lead. Um, you're going to try to get him some time, just kind of keep him loose, I guess, and, and kind of up to up to game speed. But it's not like they brought him in because they needed him. Um, and I would like to see them ride Skyler for, you know, 99% of the time as long as it uh, isn't just a complete disaster out there. Speaking of showing things they haven't shown, and I'll discuss this with Marcus in the breakdown, split backs and run Alex Barnes up the seam for a 30-yard completion. Where's where's that been? And Marcus, you said, told me off the air, that's in the playbook. You, you've seen that play before. But, boy, the fans haven't seen that play before. And Alex Barnes admitted they haven't run anything like that since he's been at K-State. Thought that was refreshing. Let's turn it over to the defense now. I thought the defense was okay, D. Scott. Uh, certainly when the second team came in, we saw some room for error there that you don't really want to see uh, as they took a 41-7 game and turned it into 41-17 and nearly 41-24. Backdoor cover. Yeah, I know, as the roadrunners were throwing into the end zone at the end. But I thought the first team defense was okay. I don't know what I expected to see. Uh, but I, I still thought they gave the Roadrunners too much productivity. They let too much take place, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was just UTSA playing well, but I'm still concerned about this defense doesn't have something to hang its hat on. Yeah, UTSA what, finished with 300 total yards. 119 of those came in, in the fourth quarter. But there wasn't – it didn't seem like there was a defensive dominance, as, as we talked about, that you really like to see in non-conference games to really get that oomph to know that the defense is there. Um, I think the run defense continues to be an issue for, for this team. Um, I know that at tackling at times remains an issue for this team. There are still things for this defense uh, to kind of shore up. And this is critical time now. Um, 
as you head down head down the, the stretch run, um, definitely some things for the defense to improve upon, including uh, third down and getting off the field. One of the big things that Duke Shelley had talked about after UTSA was that their inability to get off the field on third down um, remains an Achilles heel for the squad. Marcus, uh, I'm worried sick about the linebackers. Uh, Eliza Sullivan's banged up, bad knee, bad shoulder, didn't play. Coach Snyder says he'll play against uh, West Virginia, primarily a passing team, so that's better. He's not going to be laying his shoulder into a bunch of running backs all day long. But still, the play at linebacker seems to be failing this defense. It's not tying the front to the back together very well, and it's it's troublesome for me. Yeah, this the linebackers are struggling this year. You know, Daquan Patton, you know, is still filling his way, uh, and uh, it, Sam Sizelove is just a little bit too slow. And I think in this game especially, it'll show if he plays a lot um, out in coverage. Um, this would be a perfect game for Elijah Sullivan to come in and play, and just play one linebacker. And then you know, it's unfortunate that Denzel Goolsby got hurt because I think then you bring in Eli Walker to play an outside linebacker slash dime slash safety that can cover and stuff. And then you play, you know, Walter McNeil at your nickel. Um, this would have been a good opportunity for that to happen. Now, we, we won't see that because Denzel's out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Will they leave uh, two linebackers in the game? Will they go dime package, you know, and Daquan and Elijah Sullivan will mix around um, in there? Um, the front four is going to have to stop the run by themselves this weekend to make West Virginia one-dimensional. K-State needs to play, you know, to, to, to defend the pass, um, to minimize the damage, um, and we'll probably get into it more later on what they need to do to win the game. Well, the secondary is going to have to be really good, Riley. No doubt about it. Will Greer is a big-time quarterback, makes big-time plays, can make big-time throws. Um, it's of great concern, and we know that, you know, Denzel Goolsby's done for the year with a shoulder injury. Uh, Kavion McGee, we're not sure what's going on with him, but he wasn't suited up last week as the third corner for this team, so that's concerning. Maybe he'll be ready. I, I kind of get the vibe from Coach Snyder. I'm not expecting that. Jonathan Durham's kind of out right now as another nickelback. They don't have great depth in the secondary to start with, but uh, they're going to get tested. They really are, and if they have to dig into their depth, it could be problems. We saw McPherson a little bit out there. We saw Darrell Patterson out there a little bit. So maybe they got some time that will prove valuable down the road. I guess the good news is this is probably as tough as it's going to get all Big 12 season. I mean, Will Greer is probably the best quarterback they're going to face uh, both throughout Big 12 play and, and probably whoever they play in the bowl game, quite frankly, unless, you know, unless they got Alabama or something in a bowl game. But uh, no, this is going to be the, the toughest test. Um, so that's the fortunate side. The unfortunate side is I think there's going to be a lot on tape uh, as to how to beat this secondary. You know, what are their weaknesses exactly and just how did Will Greer expose those? Um, and, you know, you hit it on the head with the depth. It's not very good right now. Um, you know, we were even questioning the talent of the secondary even at health. You know, not that we didn't necessarily trust all of the players in the secondary, but they all did need to take a step forward. Duke Shelley needed to step up. You know, Denzel Goolsby needed to make another uh, step forward in this position. And now you're dealing with a bunch of injuries. You're dealing with a bunch of inexperienced guys on the field and um it, it's kind of baptism by hellfire now because you know, welcome to the big 12 play and and uh, will greer is here and you know, good luck defending him 
Exactly. Well, that's our first look at this weekend's game with the West Virginia Mountaineers and kind of a look back at K-State's victory over UTSA in the third game of the season. The Wildcats are 2-1, heading to face the 12th-ranked Mountaineers. And more of the roundtable is waiting on the other side of this break, so stick with us because you are listening to the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. All they do is cover Kansas State sports. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more of their roundtable session on the Powercat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now send it back to Fitz and the GPC News Team in the Spirit Street Studios as the GoPowerCat.com Roundtable session continues. We are back and we now continue with our GoPowerCat Roundtable session with GPC Assistant Editor D. Scott Fritchin, Football Analyst Marcus Watts, and Staff Writer Rana Gates. The roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend $4,000 or more on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy is K-State owned and K-State proud. Okay, gentlemen, let's move on to the West Virginia Mountaineers. And other than geography, I love that West Virginia's in the conference. I really do. Everything except geography, they're a great fit for the Big 12. Athletically, socially, I'll take them and going to Morgantown, way on the East Coast, over going to Boulder any day of the week. I love their fans. People complain about their fans. I think their fans are great. I'm not, I've never heard of K-Stairs with problems with their fans. Maybe they just love us. Yeah, that could be it. Who doesn't? 
Maybe they think we're just like them, except from Flatlands. That, that first trip, I remember that first trip to Morgantown. We heard so many horror stories. Watch out for them. Watch out for them. They were great people. I remember there was no problem at all. And I, that was even before K-State laid the smack on them, you know. I know. They were they great did. out in the parking lot before the game even started. I didn't see what the big problem was. And West Virginia has good coffee, too, by the way. <laughs> of course they do. Uh, we uh, probably should get the coffee power pole at some point. I'll from, keep an eye on Honest intake this uh, weekend. I, I think part of the reason why K-Staters love going to West Virginia is I've heard epic stories about pregame tailgates that feature moonshine. And I think that just plays a big role in the affection for the trip. It's beautiful country. I hope uh, – K-State fans are making the trip out there and haven't grown bored with it. Let's turn our attention to the Mountaineers on the field now. And I guess we got to start with Will Greer. I mean, how do you not start with the dude? I love him. I, he's my leading Heisman guy. Playing in the Big 12 will only help him pad those stats against Big 12 defenses and just the way this conference gets so pass-happy and gets in a lot of shootouts. K-State's going to want to stop that from happening, that K-State plays a little bit different style of football, but my question I guess to you, D. Scott, is are they going to be able to? How good is Will Greer as a quarterback for the Mountaineers? Oh, he's been great. Um, you know, I, I saw a note in West Virginia that um, he's averaging 38.2 points as a starter for West Virginia, which is fourth among starting quarterbacks in the FBS. I think that's tremendous. That's a good way to start things out there. Uh, he also has thrown more than um, 300 yards in 10 of his 13 career starts with the Mountaineers as well, which is which is outstanding. And uh, he's been pretty smooth sailing so far this season. You know, they scored on 15 of the first 21 drives, and um, many of those have resulted in touchdowns. Nine touchdowns, one interception for Mr. Greer so far early in the season through two games because they got one game canceled. But uh, I, th I think he's been outstanding so far. Yeah, the hurricane took out last weekend's game against North Carolina State, which stunk for us because we were going to scout that game. That's how we were going to do a lot of our homework. I will get with you, Marcus, about that in the breakdown session a little bit later in the show. Uh, but I want to stick with Will Greer with you. The Mountaineers were clicking along last year. They were looking pretty good. And then Will Greer breaks a finger and it's gone for the season. And things came unraveled for West Virginia at that point. He's that important to them. I mean, that's something a lot of programs can avoid. But for this Mountaineer team, he's their heart and soul for the whole team. Yeah, he's the real deal. I mean, that's why he's a Heisman candidate. That's why he's, you know, one of the top quarterbacks. And this is not a very good quarterback class. Um, coming out this year, but um, he's one of the top quarterbacks for next year going into the draft. Uh, he just does everything, you know, and he, he's married. He has a kid. He's got his life together. Um, since he left Florida, things have changed for him for the better, and Morgantown was one of those things. And, you know, he's taken it with stride. He's grown as a as a human being and as an adult, and, and it shows in his play. Okay, Mr. NFL Draft Expert, he did start at Florida, and then he ended up in Morgantown and has thrived there. Is he, you ready, this year's Patrick Mahomes, the guy Ooh. you kind of secretly want to draft if you're the right team? I don't know if you necessarily secretly want to because, I mean, I think he's going to be pretty uh, 
a pretty exciting player for whoever does end up getting him. Um, I definitely think he's going to be one of the more coveted quarterbacks that comes out of the out of college football this season. Um, you know, kind of along the lines of what Marcus was just saying. Uh, overall, he does have his his stuff together, which is kind of along those lines of a Pat Mahomes. Seems like a an overall good person, uh, but he can. It's more than just you know his off the field. His on the field is obviously uh, at a new level, um, and I think that he possesses a lot of the skills that you know maybe maybe aren't necessarily what uh what is the traditional nfl quarterback but it's kind of what the nfl is starting to lean towards is kind of the direction is starting to head um and yeah i think uh whoever's gonna end up being in that those top you know 10 picks 15 picks whatever i then you need a quarterback i think that will greer's probably a guy you're looking at that won't be my chiefs by the way just want to throw Probably that in. not. Just wanted to put that in right there. Uh, maybe your Cowboys? No, no. I think they're fine too. Okay. We'll I like Dak Prescott. We'll let them go somewhere else. Uh, this, this defense from West Virginia, they run a really weird defense, a 3 3 5. Um, they give you different looks. Um, they kind of come at you from all directions. It's really a defense designed for Big 12 offenses. And um, I like it. They're giving up a lot of rushing yards this year, which I think is a little bit different for this team because, correct me if I'm wrong, D. Scott, hasn't this defense given K-State trouble running the ball in the past because they can't quite get their blocking assignments set because guys are moving around and coming through different gaps? Affirmative. Yeah, Yeah. it's been tough going. Um, You know, Dalton Reiser, I thought uh, earlier this week, Really, you know, laid it out. He enjoys going against his defense. You know, he enjoys the swarming nature of it. Uh, I think it pumps up Kansas State players because it's unique. And, um, you know, you ask them what they what they know about West Virginia through the years, and they talk about the defense as much as anything, just because that's been kind of kind of their trademark in the league. And they do swarm around a lot. And, um, you know, it would be interesting to see what this veteran offensive line is able to do um, against this defense. I know that Alex Barnes is, is pretty pumped up about going against this, this defensive look. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I think the jury's still out on what what this offense can do against this defense the way it's, it's spread out. They do lead the Big 12 in scoring defense. They have the lowest scoring defense in the conference, which I thought was interesting because, you know, yardage-wise, they're right in the middle of the pack. So they uh, apparently are bending but not breaking, something K-State fans are a little bit familiar with. The 3-3-5, three, three, you have no experience in it, right? Marcus, in the case we came on Prince, ran something like that. Back. Prince really didn't show that, but we ran a little bit of it, but not a lot. Um, you know, it just it makes it more difficult because you don't know where. Because most of the time you're going to bring a blitz in a three-three-five. You're always going to bring somebody up walking on the line of scrimmage, but and you just don't know where it's going to come from. I mean, he could start an A gap and blitz in the, you know, out in the in the seven technique or eight technique, which is off the edge, and you just don't know. And so it's kind of hard to game plan for like, oh, we're going to block this guy, this guy, and this guy. Um, and that's why you know it may be an advantage for K State because they can do more zone blocking, and whatever guy comes into your area, you block. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be a challenge for K-State. And, you know, but like we've said so much this year, this team offensive line is was supposed to be the strength. They're a veteran group. They've probably seen every defense that you can see. Um, and so they should be able to handle it, and hopefully they will. I know you're not uh, as sold on Mississippi State as I am, Riley. Compare maybe overall – Value, if you want to say it that way, West Virginia to Mississippi State. Do you think West Virginia overall as a team is a better football team than Mississippi State? 
You know, that's a really interesting question, I think, because I think that West Virginia probably has um, a better offense. I think that Will Greer is a far better quarterback than Nick Fitzgerald is. Um, I think that when, when it comes down to it, he's going to make better throws. He's going to manage an offense better. I hope they're not worse than what Nick Fitzgerald did. <laughs> that wasn't very those good. Those were not good throws. But also, uh, I think that Mississippi State might have a better defense um, just because of those guys on the defensive front um, and just kind of the athletes that they had compared to what you know, a lot of teams in the Big 12 have. I don't necessarily know who might win if they went head-to-head. I think West Virginia is probably going to end up having a more successful season, um, but that probably speaks more to the SEC's challenge of you know the teams that Mississippi State's going to face in the SEC West, um, as opposed to you know maybe West Virginia maybe being a better team than Mississippi State. So, kind of a tough uh, question to answer without seeing them on you know head to head on the field. Um, but it probably, like I said, would probably expect. West Virginia to do more this season um, when it's all wrapped up and said and done. Okay, I'm going to keep you front and center here in the okay. second part of the round table. Now, with all that said, I agree with everything you said. I think overall West Virginia is a better team, but I think Mississippi State's defense is better, and certainly West Virginia's offense is better in case they didn't handle Mississippi State's offense very well, particularly the running game. With all that said, is this a better matchup? for Kansas State than Mississippi State was, even though overall the Mountaineers might be better. I think so, um, just because I, I don't think that, you know, kind of goes back to those athletes that Mississippi State had. I don't think that West Virginia has a lot of those guys that are just so much bigger, so much faster, stronger than K-State's guys. Um, you know, it's not like Dana Holgerson has done a massive recruiting uh, philosophy change over the last few years, and uh, this has been a team that K-State's hung with recently. I mean, the last however many years they've been within a score or two. This is the type of team that K-State can beat. Um, just right now, they seem to be a better overall unit, and they seem to be clicking a lot better than K-State, but I give them a much better chance to beat West Virginia than I think a lot of people gave him to beat Mississippi State. Interesting. We'll get to our predictions here at the end of the show. D. Scott, real quick, I, I want to uh, kind of start to bring this to a conclusion here on the roundtable. With an interesting question, you really are the most equipped to answer in our group here. Uh, we get to see the Big 12 coaches on a regular basis at Big 12 Media Days, and you are front and center for that event uh, every year. And you also write about the conference as a whole and listen to the, the teleconference on a regular basis and participate in that. We kind of get vibes off coaches. This guy's going to make it. This guy's a phony. This guy, you know, we, you, you kind of do. Daner Holgerson has always given me a good vibe that hasn't always been matched up with what I see on the field in terms of I feel like West Virginia always should be a little bit better than they are. And I, 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 as I sit here today, I feel like West Virginia should play Oklahoma for the Big 12 title, but I'm not going to be surprised if that doesn't happen, and I can't explain why. They've got a great quarterback. They've got an adequate defense. They seem to know who they are. They seem to execute well, and yet they still lose games on occasion that they shouldn't lose. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think the Holgerson, for the most part, has his teams prepared, and I think West Virginia always seems to be in the mix. I don't always see them, though, being that upper-tier team, if that makes sense. Yeah, when, I just go back to when K-State, when they had Geno Smith and K-State just – they just exposed whatever was wrong with Geno Smith and apparently forever because that was the last we heard of Geno Smith. Well, West Virginia came came into the, to the league and instantly everyone 
swarm to to West Virginia. Uh, everyone thought the Mountaineers was going to win. We're going to win the Big Twelve, and um, yeah, and Colin Klein and Kansas State really slammed the door on that pretty pretty fast. And since that time, I think that West Virginia and Holgerson have continued to grow within the, the Big 12 Conference, and uh, I think they're making facility upgrades and so on and so forth. I, I, he understood that they were going to have to improve in, in all these different ways in order for West Virginia to be competitive with all the other schools in, in the Big 12. And uh, I, I think what we're seeing is West Virginia just continues to climb and get a little bit better and a little bit better. Will, will they meet Oklahoma? Um, I, I guess the jury's out for that, but I wouldn't put it past them, especially with Will Greer. I think he's a unique talent. Well, they better be K-State at home if they want to make that happen later in the year. Um, I don't know. Last week, Marcus, I had fans tell me that was the hottest game they have ever felt at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Um, and I I think the problem wasn't that it was so much hot. It was it was sneaky hot. You went to the stadium and you didn't expect it to be that bad. You know, you didn't come with all your sunblock and your hat and your sunglasses. You thought it was going to be warm, but it was boiling lobster pot hot in that stadium. So uh, our question of the week from Wabash Station deals with that. Uh, and it comes from a member of our premium message board at Go Cat. This week's question comes from Meow Power. Uh, does Bill Snyder sweat? I didn't see, I can't remember what he was wearing, but he's been prone to wear sweatsuits on sweaty hot days, and he doesn't seem to look like he sweats. It's such an awkward question, but... It's true. It, it's true. I, I've never seen Coach Snyder sweat. Um, <laughs> there would be times during two-a-day practices, you know, where we would be complaining about the heat or whatever, you know, say in the morning practice, and then he would come out in the afternoon practice in a full-out winter, below-zero sweatsuit, big old coats, to prove a point. That if I can wear this and I'm frail old man, um, it's not too hot out here for you guys. So, um, no, I've never seen him sweat. So, who knows? I don't know how he cools his body uh, temperature down. You know why he doesn't sweat? Robots don't sweat. They don't. They don't. That's, I think, it's proof, all the proof we need that he is indeed a robot. <laughs> now let's turn our attention to D. Stad Fritchin for his number of the week. And let me preface this by saying we only compare notes after we've both scripted the entrance to this and you've already written down your number of the week. My number of the week is 16.5, which is the betting spread on this game, and that feels both high and low to me, and I'll explain that a little bit later in the show. But, Fritz, what is your number of the week? And get ready for this. My number of the week is 16.3. Hmm. That's the average number of points that West Virginia has scored below its season average in six meetings against K-State since joining the Big 12 Conference in 2011. K-State has held West Virginia to at least 10 points under its scoring average every time the teams have played. In fact, the Mountaineers have never even scored 30 points against K-State. We'll see if that changes on Saturday. That's very interesting. Thank you, Mr. Fritchin. And with that, the roundtable is indeed closed. And let's head into another timeout on the Powercat pregame podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. The breakdown of the game arrives right after this pause on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. 
Bluemark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Bluemark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. The PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company continues. Now we send you back to Fitz. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. It's now time for your update on Kansas State football recruiting. Celebrate Kansas State University's fight against cancer with a Bill Snyder commemorative Fighting for a Cure shirt. And wear it to the home football game or anywhere Saturday, October 13th for the university's fifth annual Fighting for a Cure Day. The Johnson Cancer Research Center's programs to advance Kansas State University's cancer Research and education are made possible by private donations. Information is available at cancer.ksu.edu. Kansas State picked up a football recruiting commitment this week from 6'5", 225-pound tight end Connor Fox out of San Antonio's Reagan High School. 24-7 sports recruiting analyst Gabe Brooks describes Fox as a big-frame tight end prospect who has spent the majority of his high school snaps playing multiple receiver roles in a spread offense, but Fox owns ample room to add mass and a college weight training program to become a tight end. Because of his experience playing outside receiver and in the slot, Fox is a terrific pass catcher, especially for a projected tight end. Fox's ability as a receiver is what really stands out to Brooks about his skill set. He is a hands catcher and possesses ample experience lining up against smaller, quicker defensive backs and still managing to get open. That's the type of analysis you get from 24-7 Sports and GoParacat.com. Fox is K-State's seventh verbal commitment for the 2019 recruiting class. And, of course, subscribers at GoPowerCat.com get up-to-the-minute coverage of football and basketball recruiting from our staff. And now it's time to break down the game between the Wildcats and Mountaineers. Joining you once again, it's GoPowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. 
Kansas State and West Virginia kick off at 2.30 p.m. Central Time at Bill Snyder Family Stadium and a game being televised on ESPN. And now it's time for our breakdown session as the Wildcats and 12th ranked Mountaineers open Big 12 play in Morgantown. And of course, to help me out with this breakdown of the game is Go Paracat football analyst, former K-State safety Marcus Watts. And Marcus, let's start with this. West Virginia was slated to play North Carolina State last weekend, uh, but that game was canceled due to the hurricane on the East Coast. Now they have impressive victories over Tennessee and, of course, Youngstown there won FCS opponent on the schedule. so And they were supposed to play an ACC team, so they were actually scheduled to play 11 Power 5 games this year. That's impressive. Nobody else in the country is doing something like that. So really, I give them a pass for canceling this game with NC State. Um, it was like an extra game, you know, but what does it mean for the Mountaineers to have that week off instead of having to play another tough game leading into this Big 12 opener? Uh, it can go both ways. You know, you're clicking on all cylinders, you know, and you, you're expecting to play and then it gets moved around. So then you got to change your week up and how it is. You know, most coaches that have a scheduled bye week, you know, know what they're getting themselves into and have stuff scheduled for that week. And then you've kind of got to change it around. But there's not another Big 12 team that has a bye week before the open Big 12 play. So it's a huge thing because if you have any dings or anything like that, it's important to get those guys back and healthy before you start Big 12 play. So it's big for West Virginia, I think. Plus, they had an extra week to prepare for K-State if they wanted to take that whole extra week to prepare for just K-State. Uh, I'm not for sure what Dana Holgerson did. Um, you know, Coach Schneider probably would have done a little bit on some other teams also just to prepare for when they come around to those games and then prepared for West Virginia from Friday on um, to into the following week before the game started. So um, it, it's big, uh, it, but it could go either way. It, it will be seen on um, Saturday what happens. Yeah, exactly. Some quarterbacks come along that, aren't just good quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield was that way at Oklahoma. Colin Klein was that way for K-State. You make a, you want to go back further, you can say Todd Reesing was that way at Kansas. They kind of are symbolic of the entire team, and they make the defense better. They make everyone better just because the way they approach the game and the way they honestly just are put it all on the line for their team. Will Greer's that way to me. He's, he's not just a special player. You can look at the stats and see this dude can play. But he's kind of got that X factor about him that I like. He got injured last year. The team kind of came apart. That tells me he means a lot to this team beyond the X's and O's. But the X's and O's are really what's important in this game, and I don't like this matchup one bit, his arm against K-State's defense. Yeah, he's probably the most pure quarterback in all of college football, I think. You know, there may be some younger guys that are going to be better quarterbacks than him. But you don't hear a lot about him in the media. Like, you really don't. He's not flashy. Uh, maybe the fact that they didn't have a game last week, they don't talk about him all the time. Um, but he's the real deal. He's good. Um, West Virginia was, you know, very fortunate to land him. And it was a, it was a great spot for him. Like, you know, other players that have come to K-State maybe, they ended up being great spots f for that individual. And, and he's taken it with stride and realized what he had at Florida and the, the issues that he had um, at Florida and why he left Florida um, and took those to West Virginia. And, you know, Dana Holgerson, I know, was asked multiple times throughout last year, um, you know, why did you take Wilger? Why did you do this? You know, and he did his research on him. Uh, he's a great uh, individual. You know, he's married, like I stated before. He's got a kid. His life seems to be going in the right direction. Um, 
and he's just a great quarterback. I mean, through two games, he's thrown nine nine touchdowns. I mean, that's kind of what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now in the NFL. Um, he's in top 25 in every category, passing category, in college football. Well, he's only played two games. You, If he plays three games, he's probably top five in every single category uh, there is. So not only that, he's got great receivers. Yeah, he does. And well, let's get to that. One final thought on Greer, though. Uh, they appear to not want him to run, something that they might want to do against K-State. But I think they'll just probably start off with him just throwing the ball at the Wildcats and see what he can do. He's really good, and a big reason why they'll throw the ball are Gary Jennings Jr. and David Sills, the fifth a pair of senior receivers who are really good and are going to give this secondary for the Wildcats a lot of problems. They're not only really good, they're probably two of maybe the top five finals for the Blitnikoff this year. They are that good. Um, you know, Jennings last year had over a thousand yards, 97 catches, but had one touchdown, which is mind boggling to me how you have a thousand yard, 97 catches and you only have one touchdown. Um, a lot of that could have done because, you know, Greer got hurt, but, uh, you know, already this year he's got four touchdown passes and you, you didn't hear a lot about him. You always heard about David Sills, you know, David Sills came on last year, had a huge year at the beginning of the year. And then when Greer got hurt, you know, kind of fell off a little bit, but he's one of those guys that's a possession receiver. He always is going to find the open um, zone in the defense. Uh, he's going to catch everything that is thrown his way. Uh, he's just a, he's kind of reminds me, not probably not as fast, but he's like a Jordy Nelson. He's just going to catch everything that's thrown his way. Um, he's a big body also. He's six, four. So they're going to have their hands full with these receivers. And one thing, um, that K state is not well at, uh, and I think West Virginia will take advantage of is the middle of the zone behind the linebackers right. in front of the safeties. That's somewhere I think K state is weak and leaves a lot of open space, um, as we saw against Mississippi State when they gave up that third and 17 was a, a crossing route over the middle. Um, the safeties are going to have to do a good job in this game in staying deep because West Virginia wants to throw the ball deep and have the big plays, but being able to rally up you know, to make the tackles or to break up the pass on those 10 to 15-yard dig routes. Well, West Virginia has a decent running game, but they kind of do it by committee. They actually list four guys at running back with oars between them. Keep an eye on true freshman Letty Brown, number four out of Philadelphia for the Mountaineers, as he appears to be kind of having a breakthrough for that running game. Now let's flip it over to the defense, and I'm always intrigued by this defense. A very unique 3-3-5 that is basically a defensive formation that works in the Big 12. It, it really is predicated on stopping the pass. Um, it's not a real good run defense, so to speak. They give up a lot of running yards. They have the three down linemen, only one true defensive tackle, bigger defensive ends, and then they stack three linebackers behind that and honestly only one's a true linebacker size they're almost like big safeties and then they've got a another position that has an odd name in the secondary that is another linebacker safety type so they've got a lot of tweeners on this defense it should be a area that k-state can exploit with a running game but they also spend a lot of time confusing offensive lines on blocking schemes and running backs on where the holes are because they move around a lot and shift and try to create a little bit of chaos. Yeah, K-State needs to take advantage of this defense, and especially in the running game. Um, that's the only chance they're going to have at winning this game is, you know, 
And one thing we talked about, though, I wanted to see K-State establish last week was a running game, dominate the run game. And I don't eh, – it was mm, for me. It wasn't anything right. special. It wasn't what it should have been against UTSA. So they are still struggling with that. This defense does cause a lot of confusion for the offensive line, for the quarterback, you know, because the quarterback always designates who's the Mike linebacker, and then that sets where the uh, the offensive line is going to block. Uh, when you don't know where the linebackers are coming, because 90% of the time they're never going to drop three unless it's like a third and long and rush three. They're always going to bring one of those guys, but which guy is it? You don't know, and he could be lined up in the A-gap, and go, you know, completely the opposite side on the other side around the edge. So with an offensive line that is as experienced as K-State is, this should be something that they should be thriving at right now. And this should be something that they'd be licking their chops at because this is a game where they can get those five-yard carries to seven-yard carries every possession because there's not as much congestion at the line of scrimmage. K-State is – a little bit different this year. We think they're going to be different as the season progresses with Andre Coleman on the offensive side and Blake Sadler on the defensive side. But for me, this feels like a game they need to go back to their old ways. Possess the ball, manage the clock, keep Will Greer over there on the sideline, start to physically wear down this West Virginia defense. If you do that, do you bring in Alex Delton and run the quarterback run game? That, or do you leave Skylar Thompson in and run it? I mean, it's it's an interesting game, but I agree. You know, this needs to be one of those games where, you know, maybe the quarterback runs it 15 times. Maybe they run the quarterback run game 15 times. Maybe they um, – the quarterback power is what I was saying. Uh, maybe they, you know, run some more zone read and split backs with Dalvin and um, Barnes back there. You know, there's some confusion you can do with that. You know, you have one back that's more of a power back. You have one back that's more of a speed, agile back. You know, we saw a little bit of option last weekend. Uh, maybe they'll run a little bit more of that, you know. But this is something that K-State should not have to throw the ball a lot in this game to win this game. They should throw the ball to keep the defensive honest and to manage the game uh, and to get first downs when needed. This should be a game where it should be run, 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 pass. Uh, for K-State if they need to do that. Would you put the, both these quarterbacks on the field together in this game? Not save it for later. You need to get off to a start. I mean, I, why save anything for right. later at this point? I mean, you're not playing for a national championship right now unless you run the table. And the only way to run the table is to, to throw everything out there every week. True. It doesn't matter. What are you going to save for? You know, maybe if you're having success with what you're doing at the beginning of the game, you don't need to go to something. But you know, if you're struggling to move the ball or do anything, why save anything at this point? You know, we always say Coach Snyder saves us for Big 12 play. Yeah, he doesn't always run every trick play he has in his bag. Um, you know, maybe now is the time to do it, you know, because eventually you're going to run some of them. You know, it's like the jump pass. You know, they tried they saved the jump pass, I think, for the Miami game. Um, and a couple of years ago, or 2012, I think it was, when they went down and beat Miami with Colin Klein. And it worked. But as the season progressed, you know, it didn't work as well. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's still something that this is a game you got to win. You want to get off to a start. You want to get off to a start 1-0. K-State's on the road in Big 12 play again to start the uh, Big 12 season, like always. Uh, and, you, you know, it's tough for them. You know, they don't come away with a lot of wins first of the game. And going against the West Virginia team, that's really good. It's going to be a struggle. 
I don't know if they have it in there, but I would love to see them use Alex Delton in a backfield with Skylar Thompson. Not, not split Skylar Thompson out and go to the Wildcat formation. Actually have them as tangible threats there together because I don't know what a defense would do because Alex Delton's capable of functioning as a running back and running the ball, and yet he adds in the threat of throwing the ball. Um, I think K-State needs to pull some tricks out to be in this game. Yeah, and something you can do with that is, you know, you can have Alex and Skyler in the in the game and hand it off to the quarterback, and the quarterback can still throw it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of different things that can cause a lot of problems for the defense. But then do you want Alex taking the punishment? Do you want Skyler taking the punishment on the runs? When you have Alex Barnes, who's supposed to be one of the best backs in the country right. and with the best offensive lines, it's like – how exotic do we have to actually get to make our offense work and run and get yardage? This team shouldn't need to do that with the offensive line that they have, but they haven't shown anything right. yet this year. They've they've done a couple of nice runs last year on or last weekend on some you know some zone ring quarterback keeps with um, Skylar Thompson. And there's a lot of times where he needs to pull it more often than not. Teams are taking away the running back, and the quarterback needs to pull it more. So we'll see if that actually happens. Exotic on offense, maybe, but exotic on defense. We would both like to see that, to throw some different looks at this West Virginia offense and maybe take advantage of that speed and, and sudden ability brought to the field now with Eli Walker permanently in the lineup at one of the safety spots. Yeah, so this, you know, we were talking about this off off air here uh, earlier, and maybe K-State needs to blitz every down. Yeah. Um, you know, bring Eli Walker down, blitz him every time, just bring him in different areas or whatever, put – you know, uh, Kendall Adams back 20 yards deep so that they're not giving up the big deep pass uh, and then let the corners play man-to-man. I mean, that's – honestly, that may be the only chance they have is to get the ball out of Wilger's hands quickly um, and not allow him three or four seconds back there to pick apart wherever he wants to go with the ball. Well, that's going to be a big part of this game. How can Kansas State get pressure on Will Greer and get him out of that comfort zone? We're going to find out, and I know this, this K-State secondary certainly has its hands full against Danner Holgerson's passing game with Will Greer at the trigger. Now let's get into the interview segment, and thank you, Marcus, for your input there. And this K-State defensive backfield will face a huge test against West Virginia and Greer. So far, the secondary is mostly an unknown for K-State, but sophomore A.J. Parker is indeed playing well at one of the cornerback spots. The Go Paracat staff, myself, Riley Gates, and Michael Goins teamed up to talk with the Bartersville, Oklahoma product at Tuesday's press conference, and we started with the challenge presented by playing against Greer and those great receivers, Gary Jennings Jr. and David Sills V. Here is A.J. Parker. I mean, it's, it's a very exciting game, and all I got to do is you just um, go and be a technician and play my game, and that's what you got to do. You got to go out, and I got to be comfortable playing my game and just practice hard and just use what I do in practice and use what the coaches are teaching me to, to go out and play the best game I can. Have your reads improved this year versus last year? I mean, they improved a lot. as a fr- I was rest for freshman last year, first touching the field, so... And then going into my sophomore year with already the game experience has changed a lot. It, it slowed the game down for me. And so I, I feel like I'm comfortable out there now. I'm playing smooth and playing fast. And it's just really changed a lot. When you watch Will Greer play, what's the thing that gets your attention the most? Probably his accuracy is right here with the football. I mean, those are where he wants it to go. And so with that, with the accurate quarterback like that, you got to play tight coverage. 
And at the same time, he can break containment and get out of the pocket. Credits to him. He just, he's, he's an elusive quarterback, so when he breaks contain, you get, it's a scramble draw at that. You just got to go play, and it's football at that point. There's no more plays. There's no more, you know, where you're supposed to be here. It's, you just got to go play, and that's what makes it tough. Is this defense ready for this test? I mean, you, the whole team's kind of had an uncertain start here. Is, is this a big step up in what you're going to face? Yeah, I feel like, you know, you get in the Big 12 play, it's a change no matter what. You know, it's a different offense. We, I mean, it's pass heavy. And so when we're just ready to play, and I feel like as defense, we're ready to step up and show people that we can really play in the Big 12. You guys had a couple big road wins at the end of last year against pretty good football teams, particularly Oklahoma State. Is it kind of fun, a nice challenge to get out on the road for the first time this season? Yeah, I mean, me personally, I love road games. Just the, the atmosphere is a toxic atmosphere. You know, as everybody's cheering against you, so you got to go, go prove that you belong out there and belong that you, you're out there making plays. How much do you guys take your experience, not only against Will last year, but, I mean, you also faced a guy in Baker Mayfield and you played Oklahoma. I mean, last year's schedule was just full of so many good quarterbacks. How have you taken – I guess some experiences from last year to help you maybe go into this week a little bit more prepared and uh, better off to, to stop him. You mean you lose some, you win some. So I guess last year, from my experience, you know, I lost some reps, but I take those losses and I'm adding to my mind. So those are the reps I'm not going to lose anymore because I've already lost them. So we, we take those and then we turn them positives and then we just keep turning and we keep playing and we keep executing and then it'll turn into positives. You touched on this earlier, but how much better is A.J. Parker this season than you were at the end of last season? I feel like I'm a lot better. I'm, I'm, I have more, I gained weight over the summer. I got faster. I got my playbook, so my football IQ is higher. So I just feel like um, I've been, I'm a lot better player. I'm a lot more experienced player. And so I feel like I can contribute better to the team now. What are the keys to a Wildcat victory? And what are our experts' predictions? It's next on the PowerCat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Bluemark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Bluemark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Bluemark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. It's a K-State sports tradition. It's Fitz's five keys to victory on the PowerCat pregame podcast. 
presented by Robbins Motor Company. Big 12 play is here for the Kansas State Wildcats, who open conference action Saturday at West Virginia against the 12th-ranked Mountaineers. Are the Cats ready for the challenge, and what is their path to victory in Morgantown in a game slated for a 2.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN? I am Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and now it's time for my Keys to the Game. Our Keys of the Game are sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill in Aggieville. Great food, friendly service, and the best place to watch sports in Manhattan can be found at Tanners. You've got time for one final final at Tanners. Tanners located at the corner of 12th and Morrow in the historic Aggieville Business District. Key number one, make Will Greer uncomfortable. West Virginia's Will Greer is a great passing quarterback, and while he's not known as a runner, he's mobile in the pocket, making it hard for defenders to get a clean hit on him. K-State's defensive front must find a way to get near Greer within seconds so that he can't get clean looks downfield and fall into a rhythm throwing the ball. And this isn't as easy as pushing Greer out of the pocket either. He will elude pressure and find enough space to get off a strong throw. So touch him, rush him, contain him, and bat down his passes. Sacks are great, but not letting him feel comfortable is the real goal, and that alone is hard to accomplish. Key number two, run with the receivers. Through three games, we do not know how new Kansas State secondary coach Brian Norwood prefers to combat Big 12 passing offenses. Well, we're about to find out. West Virginia has two of the Big 12's top receivers in Gary Jennings Jr. and David Sills V to catch throws from Greer, so will Norwood opt to use K-State's traditional forgiving zones that hope to not give up big plays, or will he roll the dice more and try to match up with these receivers? It's easy to understand the goal of the zone defense approach, but it may be time to try running with the receivers in man-to-man coverage. Too often against these passing teams, K-State's soft coverage allows quarterbacks and receivers to settle into a record-setting rhythm. Maybe the Mountaineers will hit a big play or two, but it's also possible that playing a more aggressive defense will disrupt this passing game. Key number three, find a comfortable pace. K-State's offense often tries to slow down opposing high-powered offenses such as West Virginia's with a slow-down, ball-control offense that intends to limit the game snaps and hopes to dominate the time of possession. That usually is a good plan, but it can also be argued that quarterback Skylar Thompson functions dramatically better when the pace of the K-State offense is more brisk. So find somewhere in between that allows a Thompson-led offense to find its groove, but also doesn't initiate a shootout with the heavily armed Will Greer and company. Key number four, hold the line. K-State's offensive line has not found itself in the 2018 season. And doing so against the deceptive 3-3-5 defense operated by WVU is a lot to ask. But keep in mind this defense is designed to stop Big 12 passing teams and can break apart against running teams. Dalton Reisner and this line need to get to grinding against the Mountaineers. Open up space for Alex Barnes and the others to run. And key number five, cut, paste, repeat. 
Special teams are almost always a priority to K-State. And West Virginia also features players capable of changing a game with a special teams return. If the Wildcats want to win on the road, however, winning this area of the game with some big plays is a must. That probably sounds familiar because it's the same in every big game facing the Wildcats. That completes our keys to the game, and now let's turn our attention to our staff predictions and bring back in D. Scott Fritchin, Riley Gates, and Marcus Watts. K-State is 2-1, heading into its Big 12 conference opener at number 12, West Virginia. Are the Wildcats ready for this big challenge? It's time for our predictions, and as always, we will start with our assistant editor and football beat writer, D. Scott Fritchin. Fitz, I got West Virginia winning 32-20. to Um... Will Greer had four touchdowns against K-State a year ago. I think he'll do that again. I also think that uh, K-State will be playing from behind throughout most of the game. And uh, I think Skylar Thompson will be able to make some throws, but I don't think it'll be enough. Four touchdowns and you end up with 32. I'm trying to do the math here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm scared of two safeties. Missed extra point. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're going to figure this out. Well, it's okay. It's uh, We'll just say it's the thin air of the mountains. Relegates. I got West Virginia winning at 42 to 24. Uh, you know, nothing about this matchup really excites me for K-State, and they have not shown me enough through the first three games to make me think they have defense that can slow down a guy like Will Greer. 42-24, you're that's, that's six touchdowns for West Virginia. It's three touchdowns for K-State and a field goal. Very simple. No, miss, no missed extra points. Okay, there we go. Marcus Watts, what do you got? I got score being 41-17 West Virginia. Unless K-State can control this game from start to finish and have 12 to 15 more minutes of time possession, and that's without letting West Virginia score bombs on, in the passing game, um, they're going to struggle. That's uh, the same score K-State beat UTSA with, and let's hope it doesn't play the same script out where it's 41-7 to and K-State decides to score in the fourth quarter. That wouldn't be good. Guys, I don't have a good feeling about this. Uh, you know, I mentioned that this the betting spread in this game is 16.5. I think West Virginia will cover that. I'm going very similar to Marcus. I have slightly more faith in K-State. 38-17, so take off one field goal, and that's all more faith I have in the Wildcats right now. That's going to do it for our prediction segment. And right after this network break, I will complete this preview of K-State's Big 12 opener against the West Virginia Mountaineers with my final take. I am Tim Fitzgerald, and you are listening to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast, powered by Robbins Motor Company. He's been covering K-State sports for more than 30 years. The PowerCat pregame podcast continues with Fitz's final take. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat are here to help you throughout the entire car buying process. The Robbins vehicle sales team will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget, while the experts at the Robbins Automotive Financing Department will help you understand all of your auto loan and car lease options. If you have any questions about the cars, trucks, or SUVs in their vehicle inventory, give Robbins a call at its location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. And at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can get your vehicle serviced at their state-of-the-art automotive center. Bring your vehicle in for a quick oil change and inspection or make an appointment for advanced engine repair or bodywork. It's the Robbins Motor Company, 
proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. The Powercat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company is back with Fitz's final take. I started this show by mentioning that as the week came to a close, Kansas State was a 16 and a half point underdog at West Virginia, which seems both too high and too low in this game. First, let me say this. Show me a man who follows my sports gambling advice and I will show you a man who is losing money on his gambling habit. I'm not good at it, nor do I actually gamble on sports. So honestly, I don't know what to make of this spread. Historically speaking, 16 and a half points is way too high. These two teams typically play close, entertaining games, and it's turned into a fun rivalry since WVU joined the Big 12 Conference. However, I also understand exactly what the prognosticators are doing with that spread. They know it's going to take a lot of points to get people to bet on the Wildcats because odds makers are simply trying to balance the money wagered. Now with all of those cards on the table, I also feel like 16 and a half points is too low. If K-State lost by less than 17 points on the road to open Big 12 play, against the 12th ranked team in the nation, I'd probably feel good about how the Cats played even in defeat. As you know, I picked West Virginia by 21, which probably seems too high to many of you. But from what I've seen from these two teams this season, this game could get ugly for the Wildcats. Then again, I thought the same thing last year when K-State went to Oklahoma State. And boy, was I wrong. That concludes this week's episode of the Powercat Pregame Podcast. We will have our show ready for you to download or stream by noon next Friday as we preview K-State's Big 12 home opener against the Texas Longhorns. For D. Scott Fritchin, Riley Gates, and Marcus Watts, I am Tim Fitzgerald. It's the Kansas State Wildcats versus the number 12 West Virginia Mountaineers at 2.30 p.m. Saturday in Morgantown, West Virginia. You've been listening to the PowerCamp pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. The PowerCamp pregame podcast, all rights reserved. GoPowerCamp.com and Spirit Street Publishing.